0: Hey, 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 party people. I am back. It's still the NFL draft. In fact, we are only about halfway through day two. That was, wasn't was meant to rhyme, but I'll roll with it. Roll with the punches. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Colin Hallboom, back at you with another episode of the Bucks Banter podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, we did a live broadcast last night. I was joined by Bo Danyard and Scott Capron. We hopped on shortly before the Bucks pick. Uh spent a good amount of time talking about that before digging into everything else that went down in the first round. It was lots of fun. There was some really good discourse. Uh, definitely check that one out on YouTube or Spotify if you feel like some hot takes and clever banter. It was uh, Scott's first time on the pod, and he is always good for a couple hilarious one-liners, which I think uh, are worth the price of admission on their own. I've also got some written work uh, that's still steaming, hot off the press. So please head over to bucksbanter.ca to check it out. Let me know what you think. I see lots of people uh, are heading over there just based on the the analytics of the the visits and all that. But uh, don't be scared to uh, drop a comment while you're at it, you know. No harm, no foul. Anyway, as mentioned, we are... We are about halfway through day two of the NFL draft. Oh, shit. Josh Palmer just went to the Chargers. That's cool. He is from Brampton, Ontario. Originally from Toronto, I believe. Uh, considered a bit of a sleeper pick out of the University of Tennessee. He's a wideout. I'm uh, watching his clips right now. Watching him go up and get it. That's cool. Um, unfortunately, right before that, the New Orleans Saints just selected uh, Paulson Adebo, cornerback. Out of Stanford, uh, he's a player who I had on my radar. I like him. Um, so it's never nice to to see someone in your division scoop up a player who you had eyes on. But that's the name of the game. And I would certainly rather be in the position of a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan than I would that of the New Orleans Saints. Who dat? We dat. Um, so first things first, I need to break down the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers second round pick. 64 overall. Uh, as this, as we were coming down to it, getting close to the pick, there were some names up there I was I had my eye on. Firstly, Creed Humphrey, uh, center out of Oklahoma. Davis Mills, quarterback from Stanford. Terrace Marshall Jr., he got scooped up uh, by the Panthers. Uh, and sorry, uh, and also Derek Barnes, the linebacker out of Purdue. Those are some guys who I was thinking might be available for us who were good value picks. Unfortunately, I just mentioned Terrace Marshall Marshall Jr. went off the board to the Panthers. And then the pick before us, the Kansas City Chiefs, addressed another hole in their offensive line. They took Creed Humphrey, which kind of sucks, but is what it is. We had our shot at at, uh, my favorite quarterback left in the draft outside of those top five guys who all went yesterday in round one. Uh, And that's Davis Mills. He's just he was the number one quarterback prospect coming out of high school dealt with some injuries at Stanford playing for David Shaw and those guys in the Pac-12. Um I watched his pro day start to finish. Not like that is an important thing to go by by any means. But I but I was really blown away with how good he looked, how sharp he looked, like totally in the same movement skills, arm talent, accuracy um as as those other guys at their pro days. So just for a little point of reference, he was someone I would have been super excited to see the Bucks take with that 64th overall selection. However, they went with Kyle Trask, local guy. Lots of, uh, lots of Buccaneer fans are happy about it. Uh, as Florida Gator fans, I'm sure whether or not they're willing to acknowledge their bias in the matter. I, from an objective position here over in Canada can say I think that is the case. Um, I'm not a big fan of Kyle Trask. I'll come out and say that. I was uh, talking with my cousin John, who's a huge football guy, especially big SEC guy. He's like my SEC source. And uh, we'll get him on the pot eventually for sure. He, he would probably only come on, A, once he gets a computer, and B, if he can talk gambling, and C, if it can be focused on um, college football specifically the SEC. So that'll happen eventually. But anyway, we agreed. Actually, we told each other at the same time. He reminds us both of Carson Wentz for some reason, maybe because of his size. Uh, Trask is like 6'5". He's got a big body on him. Uh, he's not quite the uh, improviser that Carson Wentz was, and he, he doesn't have a strong arm for a big quarterback. So uh, I I really don't like Carson Wentz as a quarterback. Also, I should uh, say that. So I, I guess... It just comes down to the fact that I don't think we needed to take him this early, uh, which is my main criticism of the pick. Like, It's not like I would freak out if we got him in the fourth or fifth round, but we took him in the second. Granted, it was the end of the second round, literally the last pick, but still, that's the second round. Um, I I mentioned he doesn't have much arm strength. He does throw with touch, which is nice. I like an, an accurate quarterback, as most people do. He can can definitely drop it in the breadbasket for you. But that's also, I think, a little bit tough to read because he's thrown a Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney, two of my favorite offensive uh, pass catchers in this draft. Like, that's, you know, potentially the greatest tight end prospect we've ever seen and a very dynamic wide receiver with great hands. So um, Tras definitely has limited experience as well. He's not a guy who, like started all 4 years in 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 college or anything like that um and i i guess my assessment is he's been drafted to be a developmental quarterback obviously jason light bruce arians everyone involved in that decision sees a certain amount of potential in Kyle Trask um i i personally feel like the higher end of his career spectrum would be to end up as like a solid reliable backup quarterback which Again, I don't think is something you want to spend a second round pick on, or even a third. But as I said in uh, my first round draft review article, which is up on Bucks Banter, uh, as I said in that article today, Jason Light is the expert. I am not, and he is a Super Bowl winning general manager, the reigning Super Bowl winning general manager. He deserves the benefit of the doubt, and I will give it to him. I will certainly defer his credentials and experience and success certainly exceeds that of my own. So yeah, that's pretty much all I really want to talk about, Kyle fucking Trask. So let's just, uh, I also want to cover sort of broadly where we're at in the draft and some teams that I think are really on the right track. And um, first of all, Chicago Bears, in the last pod, I made it quite clear as I have in In my writing that justin fields at number 11 is a steal for for the bears good on them for going up and getting him um they also in the second round got tevin jenkins the offensive tackle out of oklahoma state with the 39th pick and um i believe they moved up to get him as well anyway like he's really good player and I was surprised to see I had him going in the first round and the, towards the middle of the first round, I had him going at 19 to uh, the Washington football team. Sure enough, uh, the bears scoop him at 39. Brandon Thorne on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. He is the best evaluator right now in terms of breaking down offensive line play in the NFL. And he's uh, recently started to really dive into the college prospects and he had Tevin Jenkins, as the second-best offensive lineman in the entire draft. So, I mean, whether Fields is the second or even maybe has the highest ceiling, I don't know, but let's call him the second-best quarterback in the draft, second-best tackle in the draft with your first two picks, uh, that is some good work by the Chicago Bears. I am not used to saying that. It feels weird and funny and strange, and uh, better move on before I start to second-guess it. Uh, another team that uh, have been perennial basement dwellers over the last couple of, feels like a couple of decades, maybe the last decade, are the New York Jets. And they are another team who I think has done a phenomenal job so far. They, ha- they drafted the second best quarterback in the draft, even though I just called Justin Fields the second best quarterback in the draft. Um, Zach Wilson is, is viewed that way by most, so we have to give him that title officially. Uh, and he's, he, I, I really like Zach Wilson. He has incredible arm talent. And apparently all the intangibles, according to all the evaluators and uh, GMs who have met with them, teams. They also grabbed the best offensive line, interior, pardon me, interior offensive lineman in Elijah Vera Tucker at a USC. Um, unless you happen to be someone who views Rashawn Slater as an interior offensive lineman, which most people do not, with the exception of John Ledyard, my guy John Ledyard over at Pewter Report. Um, and then they went and got a top five wide receiver in Elijah Moore, many people's fourth overall receiver who somehow slipped into the second round. So, I mean, to summarize that, they landed two Elijahs and three first-round talents within the first 34 picks of the draft. And there's, of course, 32 teams. So that is certainly making the most of your opportunity Good job, really nice work by uh, general manager Joe Douglas and the New York Jets. Not only did they they draft their franchise quarterback, and I am convinced Zach Wilson will be a a franchise piece. I think he's going to be a lot more successful than Sam Darnold. But to ensure that happens, Joe Douglas has put some pieces in play right away who are going to help him on the offensive side of the ball in Elijah Vera Tucker, Vera Tucker, and Elijah Moore. Yeah, another team, the Denver Broncos. I like what the Broncos have done with their first two picks. Um, they came away with Patrick Sertan, considered by most to be the best cornerback in the draft. I think by the time the uh, first round commenced, I'd, I had moved JC Horn ahead of him, and my mock draft reflect that, although that's predictive. It's not based on my opinion. Uh, but my opinion was, if it were me, I would probably, I don't know. Those two are 1A, 1B, whichever way you slice it. Uh, So anyway, they came away with one of them in Patrick Sertan, and uh, that fits, really fits with what they're trying to do over there um, and build an elite defense. That's a huge piece. And then in the second round, they went and they got Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina, who more than one respectable people have as their number one running back in the draft ahead of Najee Harris or Najee Harris, for Roger Goodell, if you're listening, uh, and Travis Etienne. So those are really nice pieces, two difference makers on opposite sides of the ball that I think will uh, both help to make Denver a much improved team from last season. Just keeping an eye on the draft here. I want to make sure um, I catch the Bucks' next pick. Um, but in Denver, the QB position, quarterback, still big issue. Uh, you got Teddy Bridgewater. And um Drew Locke over there. So totally polar opposite types of players. I think they're probably going to roll with Bridgewater and hope he can avoid making mistakes. And that'll be their, uh, that'll be their approach there and just try and win games with defense. Um Moving along another team that I'm impressed with thus far, based purely on the first and second round, I'm not going to dive into the third round because it's, just going on right now. Um, the Chargers nabbed Rashawn Slater at 13, and they didn't have to go up to get him. So I mocked Rashawn Slater there, and I thought I thought if if he did fall to them, that would mean that the draft unraveled exactly how the Chargers would have hoped, and that's what happened. Number two tackle in the draft, uh, he, J- Daniel Jeremiah with the NFL Network, he actually has Rashawn Slater ahead of Panay Sewell. Which seems to be a little bit of a reach to me. I would certainly take Sewell over Slater, but that's just to give you a reference point for how good Rashawn Slater could be in some people's eyes, including my own. And uh, then the Chargers got a Samuel, Asante Samuel Jr. at 47, and they didn't have to go up to get him either. So these are just tremendous value selections. Forty-seven for Asante Samuel Jr. That's a first-round talent, as I've written about. Uh, he was someone I I would have been just fine with if the if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had selected him with the thirty-second overall pick. So he goes fifteen picks after that. Pair him with Rashawn Slater, uh, two really talented players, Pro Bowl caliber players um, at different in different areas. So it's good, good, to, good for the Chargers. Um, and the Cleveland Browns, I have spoken about how, how fond I am of their roster as a whole, uh, their accumulation of exciting players has, they got them all over the fields. Um, and they've added that to that in a major way with, uh, Greg Newsom, the second at number 26 in the first round. And the guy that I just could not understand why he was falling someone else I would have loved for the bucks Well, not loved, Yeah. I couldn't believe he was there at 32, let alone 20 picks later at 52. And that's Jeremiah Owusu Can't, damn it, I've nailed this every time I've said it, and now I decide to mess it up. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, J-O-K. Uh, I recognize that um I recognize that the Browns have all this talent, but I do still think that um in general it's gonna they, they need Baker Mayfield, and I don't think he can have He's got to really take the next step this season in order for them to be elite. But on paper, that roster is as close to the top of the league as as it is amongst you know Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, those types of teams. So if you're a, if you're a fan of the Brownies, I have some friends who are who are fans of the Browns. I know they're feeling good, and I would be too. I'd be feeling really good. Not only did, like, their cornerback duo is phenomenal now, throwing Newsom into the mix, and they needed a linebacker, and they come away with JOK. I'd say they'd be, they'll would be they be A-OK. Sorry, I am a dad, so I can get away with those types of jokes, right? Um, okay. Hate to say this one. I, I absolutely hate it. It burns me up. But the Carolina Panthers have done a nice job so far. They took J.C. Horn, a stud I already talked about him 1a and 1b with Patrick Sertain they took him in there with their first pick and in the second round they grabbed Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU and he a lot of people had him in, in the first round as well I did not in my mock draft uh but I think he's a really nice fit in terms of their receiving core in Carolina Marshall is more of a prototypical receiver that they compare with uh Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, those burners, they're like smaller burners, you know, of the like Brandon Cook's mold. It's like they're small, but they're not just like slot receivers. They're guys who are serious deep threats. So throw a guy who can catch the ball all over the field and run sharp routes. He has got a ton of talent. Terrace Marshall Jr. is a good pick for them. So they're two for two as well. So those are the teams that have really jumped out at me in terms of making the most of their opportunity here at, in the uh, 2021 nfl draft uh i love i just want to talk about the broadcast for a moment um there's obvious it's obviously you can watch it on abc or espn or you could watch the feed on the nfl network now in terms of the espn feed i love lewis riddick and i respect mel kiper's grind um but if you're not watching the nfl network for your draft coverage then you are in fact making a mistake I just say this primarily for the technical content that's presented in the broadcast at NFL Network. Um, but there were a couple of comments tonight that made me laugh. And I just kind of jotted them down because I thought it was funny, uh, which I didn't expect. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, when describing uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa's propensity for making big plays in coverage, he says, I call them splatter shots. And I just kind of made me feel strange hearing Daniel Jeremiah say that. I don't know. Maybe that's a personal problem, but I laughed. I laughed, kind of made me, made me gasp for a moment. Uh, and then Charles Davis, uh, he said, I, when they're showing Orlando pace up there, um, all pro for years, like an all decade type of left tackle for uh, greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, um, that, that team uh and he said i want to be orlando pace's tailor and get paid by the yarn so yeah nothing 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 super hilarious i wouldn't take it to a stand up routine but uh, those boys showing a little personality as we as we move along in the draft weekend i thought that was uh, worth noting maybe not and you've turned the podcast off by now i don't know um yeah i i also want to talk about uh just i, I already mentioned jok falling Tevin Jenkins, I wouldn't say fell that far into the second round. Uh, but the other, the big one that really, really shocked me was Trevon Morig, uh, the safety out of TCU. I thought he was hands down the best safety in this draft, and I didn't think it was particularly close. I was very surprised to see him not get scooped up in the first round on Friday night, Thursday night, pardon me. Um, but then uh, two safeties come off the board in, in round two before him in uh, Javon Holland out of Oregon, the Dolphins picked him and Richie Grant out of the UCF went to the Falcons. So that really shocked me. Um, And anyway, the Raiders end up scooping Morrig up at uh, 43rd with the 43rd pick. And I, I must say that I really ripped on Mike Mayock uh, pretty badly for drafting Alex Leatherwood at seventeen in our, our live show with Scott and Bo last night. Um, but then he ends up getting Morrig at 43, which is an absolute steal. So he really balanced that one out. And uh, I've got to say in his defense, if you told me before the draft that the Raiders uh, were going to land Morrig and Leatherwood with their first two picks, I would have had absolutely no issue with it. I just would have expected uh, Morig to be the first pick and Leatherwood the second. But when it's all said and done, it doesn't make a difference. So Mayock covered his ass there, and I'll uh, I'll give him some props for that one. And um, just uh, like day one of the draft, uh, the first round really established a theme, which Bodam brought up uh, in our previous episode in terms of uh, reuniting college teammates in the NFL, and he listed a whole bunch. Some, but uh, that definitely continued into day two. So like. Just to name a couple from day one, you had uh, Travis Etienne jo- joining Trevor Lawrence with the Dolphins. You had Jalen Waddell reuniting with Tua tonga with the Dolphins. They like, uh, they like good college teams, eh? Good for them. Um, speaking of which, you had Jamar Chase reuniting with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And then early on in the second round, like right away within the first 10 picks, you had Landon Dickerson joining Devonta Smith in philly and christian barmore joining mac jones in new england so that was also continuing along that theme of it's it's become clear that uh people like to reunite college teammates i guess the continuity and team chemistry is a real thing as i look over and see uh brown the receiver out of north carolina was just picked in the third round number 82 still a little bit away from the buccaneers pick I was hoping we might catch it live but I kind of scooted through all my notes here that I wanted to talk about so might not catch that one live but I'll I'll certainly be uh, coming back on for another podcast to discuss whatever it is the bucks do with that pick um, maybe maybe it's a good chance I should just kind of revisit my mock draft because I didn't we didn't talk about that a ton. But I put a lot of work into creating my mock draft, and I went ahead and, and altered it to make a 2.0 um, on Thursday morning. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I went 10 for 32. So I got that means I matched 10 players to the correct team. All of those were in the in the correct spot as well, correct number, with the exception of Devonta Smith because the Eagles moved up two picks to take him in their trade with the Cowboys amidst that little cluster of NFC East teams that were selecting 10, 11, 12. Uh, But I'm counting that one. I mean, uh, you can come at me if you want, but I said the Eagles were going to draft Devontae Smith, and they did. So that counts. Book it. Swish. Maybe that one rattled around the rim. Uh, The rest were swishes. So, yeah, I got i got the first six picks correct i got a couple in the middle and then i got three of the last picks correct so i was thinking my mock was going to be meh so so in terms of its accuracy uh, but those last six picks really saved me when i nailed um both of the both of the ravens picks uh, their first at 27 i had them taking rashad bateman from minnesota the receiver they did that there and then uh, just four picks later they went ahead and took jason Oa, the uh, edge rusher out of penn state which I also had, and uh, it was cool that I uh, got the got the Bucks pick correct, the last pick of the first round. I had them taking Joe Tryon, um, similar to Jason Oa, but uh, edge rusher. He's out of Washington, playing in the Pac-12. He, he uh, we we talked about this already, so I don't need to get into Jason Oa anymore. But those Buccaneer, uh, Jason Light sure loves those uh, Washington Huskies on along the D line. Of course, we have. Vita Vea playing that nose tackle position for us and uh, Lord knows Bucks, Buck's fans appreciate his presence. So let's hope that Joe Tryon can uh, can emulate Vita Vea in terms of being effective and just doing what it is he's done to get himself this far in his career. And we got to trust that uh, I think with the players surrounding Tryon in Tampa Bay, um, those edge rushers he can learn from in Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. And then even the guy, even the D tackles, you know, you got some real good vets there with the Dominican Sioux and the aforementioned Vita Vea. not quite a vet yet, but he's there. And then Will Golston, I think one of the most underrated Buccaneers over the course of the last five years. Um, Will Golston's a tough guy in the middle. Uh, you got Nacho nacho in there vocal leader amongst the defensive line man i am pumped up i can't lie i love our buccaneers i love our roster i love everything about it and um, but yeah this is draft week so of course i'm i'm spotlighting the buccaneers and everything that they do but uh, I'm really trying to focus on the draft as a whole it's one of my favorite things my favorite times of the year and um so so I'm trying to really really give that overall perspective of how things are playing out for different teams and try and be a little bit objective. And of course, when we're talking about the bucks, we'll be talking about the bucks. So anyway, uh, I think that's really all I need to say in my little brief review of the second round and how things have played out. I will be back on here at some point, potentially with some guests might have Scott might have Bo, might have them both. Who knows, who knows what the future holds just like the NFL draft. It's the same with Buck's banter. I like to leave the audience uh, guessing a little bit. So thanks so much if you're tuning in, whether that be uh, on Spotify or on our YouTube channel. I really appreciate it and uh, can't wait to chat with you or express some of my thoughts and opinions as it relates to the 2021 draft and beyond. So have a great evening. Peace and love. Colin Hallboom signing out.